Hello and welcome back to Change It with me, Eloise. Thank you so much for all the wonderful responses I got to last week's show with Jack Phillips. She inspired so many of you. I've had so many really, really insightful conversations since the schools of thought that it started, the inspiration and guidance she gave. So if you didn't listen to last week's show on how to kickstart your career, with Jack Phillips, then I would definitely go back and listen to that one. This week, we have the wonderful Bruno Bruchet. Gosh, doesn't his name even make him sound like a big deal? Bruno is a whiz in the world of communications, and he's been playing in the digital infographic video side of communications for some time. He's an author, he's a very, very good writer, but he brings to his communications and change communications in particular, creative flair, bringing change comms to life through the use of video and infographics. And today we talk about why chat GPT isn't going to be replacing change comms in a hurry. He gives us some guidance on how to make our change communications more interesting, really punchy and to interweave the use of infographics. He, he breaks this down and makes it really accessible for anyone. I am so, so excited to share this one with you. And I really, really hope you enjoyed today's show. Hello, Bruno, and welcome to the Change It podcast. Thank you for joining me this morning. Thank you, Eloise. It's very exciting to be here. I am thrilled to have you with me. This topic keeps coming up with my audience around communicating effectively We've been speaking about how much it's coming up in the news with things like yes. chat GPT and innovations to technology. Your name is widely spoken about, particularly in Sydney, around the use of digital communications, communicating mm. effectively. You're an author of many books and renowned for your creative ways to communicate succinctly. So today I'm very excited to talk to you about that and shed some light on this very important space. Mm. Before we do that, oh. <laughs> I would really like to ask you a question that I ask all guests on the show, which is what change and transformation means to you, Bruno? To me, right now, it actually means the garden because I moved out of Sydney a year and a half ago and big space and so we we decided to renovate the garden had where the did you move up. i moved to smith's lake which is beautiful. near foster beautiful area and it's really from a change perspective it's actually really interesting because it took forever that we got the plans designed and we couldn't find this person to do it person to do it well now it's finally happening and it's actually going really well and the person that's delivering the change for me is doing an amazing job and we're really excited. And it just made me think of change projects and how, where we always agonize about communicating a delay and all oh, people will be upset. And I used to say, look, if it goes well, nobody remembers the delay. They just remember the great execution. And I'm actually experiencing that for myself. It's like, sure, we waited a year. Who cares? It's great. So it's an interesting lesson for me and a good one. And so tangible, like you say, mm, that absolutely yes. illustrates change in a very beautiful way and one which you'll get to enjoy for a long time. Hello, Bruno. Chat GPT. Let's approach the elephant in the room online yeah. and virtually. I mean, what are your thoughts? 
Well, yes, it is quite a big elephant and it's had a lot of attention. I kind of think that right now it's on the cusp of gimmick and actually being useful. Absolutely, if you want to generate generic articles. For example, if you tell it to write, why would a rollout of Salesforce be great for financial services companies? You'd get something that would be pretty good that you could then go in and tweak up. But from a change comms perspective, that's not going to be that much use to you. If you if you ask it to write, how will our iteration of Salesforce be great for all the people who work at my particular financial services company, you'd actually have to give it all the information. So you'd have to give it your key bullet points and then it could fashion it into an article. And frankly, it'd be probably just as quick to do that yourself. So I think change comms is at this point protected a bit because it is so specific to particular rollouts, to particular situations in organizations. And I think the other way to protect yourself, because let's face it, this is the first iteration of something like that. There's going to be more, they're going to be better. So the way to protect yourself and your career is to do what ChatGPT can't, and that is actually get more creative. So. It can create words, but it can't actually create images. It can't create infographics. So all the stuff that you know we talk about, that I talk about, at this point, that can't do. Years down the track, it may well be able to do that. The other thing it can't do is strategy. So as long as you're sort of thinking quite creatively about strategy and what the big picture is and what we're achieving on that goal, you can't be replaced by a machine at this point. This is gold, Bruno, and this is exactly what we're going to go into and deep dive into today. And I think that's a really reassuring and clear message from you. So in essence, as ChatGPT rates, reforms, improves, and we see more of the emergence of ChatGPT, because it's only going to get smarter, right? In Mm. essence, we need to focus on potentially what? it can do and utilizing that and harness what it can't do and focus on it it enabling that for us i guess it it could free up time and allow us to do to your point more of the good stuff and absolutely and if you look across history at the introduction of any new technology the people that really survive it are actually the ones that embrace it and say well how can this make my job easier what does this free me up to do And I think that's how we have to think about anything like this, that's rather than like, oh, it's going to take my job. It's like, okay, well, it's actually going to free me up to do other things to possibly make my job more interesting. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, let's face it, churning out four paragraphs on while Salesforce is great isn't the most exciting part of comms. And if I can get a machine to do that, fantastic. Mm. And it now removes a blocker, which which is a comms person saying, I don't maybe have the time to do infographics or to do video because I need to produce lots of copy. It's a really good point that it does, you know, it does free up your time to do what I think is much more sort of interesting and fun stuff. Perfect. And we're going to talk about how how you can do that later on in the show. And you've got some awesome, awesome insights there to, to kind of give people inspiration in terms of where you think chat gpt will will help are there any things that you think people can you know start embracing this for there's a lot of talk about it out there at the Mm. moment yes and it is a lot of talk and that it's kind of 
interesting there was an article about a, a teacher that got it to write some school essays and the essays weren't marked very highly which was interesting <laughs> i think what would be really useful if you are producing sort of background information pieces that are more generic in nature say you are working on a technology rollout and you want people to get a bit more about what it's done elsewhere what it's done for other other organizations it might be quite useful just to very quickly create content like that that people might be interested in that would be you know maybe one of the you know and your nice to have list when you're doing your your comms planning oh it'd be nice to have some sort of background articles that explain how this has worked elsewhere and what other companies how other companies have benefited from it i think it'd be really useful to for creating that very quickly Mm, great that's a great point perfect thank you well let's delve into some of your inspiration in the digital space of comms, those pieces that ChatGPT certainly isn't going to be doing for us. Well, not right now, at least. <laughs> I guess the place that I'm keen to start is what pieces of advice to help people that are looking to communicate effectively and be irreplaceable by robots. Definitely to be irreplaceable by robots. We all want to can, to do that. Look, I think the first thing for me is to really use every communication channel possible. And I always use the analogy that comms is like knitting, that you take this beautiful jumper that's got colors and shape and form, you have to translate it into a knitting pattern. And then somebody else has to read that knitting pattern and recreate your shape. And comms is like that. You've got thoughts, ideas in your head or in the head of your stakeholders. You need to take them out of there. You need to put them into a transmissible format. And then somebody else needs to form those ideas and get the same impression. Now, if you're limiting yourself to just words, you're really reducing the way that you can communicate because the way we actually communicate in person, like you and I are, it's about facial gestures hand gestures for me, pictures, videos, graphics, that's all the channels that you can use. And the more you can use those, the better chance you've got of getting your message across as, as accurately as you want to. So I think the key thing is to don't eliminate, rule out the use of color, don't rule out pictures, don't rule out spacing, don't rule out videos. Make sure you use every tool in your arsenal to get the message across. And this is fascinating for me because I was speaking to a comms manager the only the other day that said to me, well, comms managers are supposed to write. I'm not a graphic designer. I don't partake in any of that. So if a brief is for a comms manager, what I can deliver on is the writing. But what you're saying is actually we do need to evolve the profession. Absolutely. We're comms managers. So it's about communication. It's not writing. Who said communication is the only, the only form of communication is, the, is writing? It's not communication is getting a message across in whatever is the best way to get a message across. So if you're not using imagery, if you're not using videos, if you're not spacing, even down to spacing a message out with spaces and subtitles, you're actually not using every possible communication channel. You're just using one. You're tying your hands behind your back, which particularly for someone like me is a really poor form (laughs) of communication. We will release a video of this so that people can see (laughs) the expressions that you're doing. 
And I think it's ironic, right? Because we are actually chatting on this forum and that shows the evolution of comms is that people are learning by listening now rather than things have evolved from newspapers and books to Audible and podcasts. And- I think definitely since COVID, there's been a huge shift. Right? Prior to COVID, particularly if you're using video, to communicate to people in a work environment. Oh no, people don't like having sound on their laptops. And had, it was very much a silent communication because you didn't disturb other people. Whereas like now people actually have a sound-based interaction with their laptops. In Teams meetings with sounds, they use their headphones. So they're much more comfortable listening to podcasts, watching video in the work environment. So that's from a communication point of view, that's one of the big changes since COVID is sound is now acceptable in communications and sounds acceptable in the work environment. Obviously, hopefully using headphones and not blasting it out to the office or everyone else at home, but we actually are comfortable with audible communication in the work environment. And is there a risk involved with that in terms of when we talk about brevity or people thinking about how they communicate when you integrate NLP and tone and all the, the this whole raft that digital media opens up to us do you think that eliminates the risk of misinterpretation or it increases it i think it very much depends on how you use them if you and again with some of the other tips that i'd have is if you focus on your recipient make sure that you really understand the people who are receiving your message, where they're receiving their message, where they're receiving your communication. Is it going to be on the laptop? Are they going to do it on the phone? So that simple difference is if you're doing a video and most people are going to view it on your laptop, then you'd shoot it in horizontal format. But if most people are going to view it on a phone, then you'd shoot it in vertical format because everyone watches stuff vertically on their phone. So simple things like that actually help get the message across. And it's also when you think about the recipient, you can then really focus about keeping the message simple because you're aware of, oh, they're really busy. I'm sending them an email, but they're also being pinged on teams. They've also got somebody in the office speaking to them. They've also got their kids shouting at my home. So you need to be aware of, have a sense of that environment to keep the message really simple. And then linked to that is actually brevity. That's always a key thing. In marketing, there's always a focus on the single-minded proposition. What's the one thing that you want to get across? And I don't see why that doesn't apply in comms. You need to just really focus. What's the one thing you really need to get across in this message? Make sure that comes across. Yeah, Simon Sinek has a really good quote on this around communications, not about what we think, it's about ensuring others hear what we mean. And if you can really drill down on what that message is to your point and keep it brief, keep it succinct, keep it clear, then I suppose that's key across any of the mediums Mm. because it drills down that point and makes you succinct and getting it across. Absolutely. I think that's a great quote. I haven't heard it before, but I like it. Okay, so we've got different channels like knitting. We've got focusing on the recipient. You had a really good example about focusing on recipients around s- someone. Yes, there's a story and it's one of those ones. I don't know whether it's apocryphal, whether it's true, but there's this theory about the book 
Bridget Jones Diary, which was huge hit times in the 90s or something like that. And apparently one of the reasons it was a huge hit is the chapters were very short. And so people reading it on the London Underground could get through a chapter between stations. They'd get on, they'd start reading a chapter, they'd finish the chapter, they'd look up at the station. So the station didn't interrupt the chapters, so they got more engaged with it. And that's one of the theories as to why it was such a successful book, maybe what to do with the huge knickers and the story and all of that as well. But I just found that fascinating that even to the point of thinking, and I'm pretty sure the author didn't do it deliberately, but the physical construct of the novel and where people were actually reading it impacted how much people enjoyed it. I find that so fascinating how these small things can make quite a, potentially make quite a big difference. That's very interesting. And then we've got Brevity, which goes back to, is it Donald Miller? The marketing guy that goes on about keeping it simple and during yeah. your point, story, keep it simple. And it's, I do think that's the same on sometimes as instructions and that do get a bit complicated, but then it's sort of, it's our job as communicators to make it as simple as possible for, you. for anybody that's worked on tech projects like I have. One of the skills you need to have is to sit in a room with all those lovely tech people and they are great, but most of them are not communicators and you need to take their intense technical knowledge and sit in the room saying, I don't understand. I don't understand until they say something that you do understand and everyone else will understand. So that's one of the, I think the big challenges is just to drill it down to exactly what the simple information is and what it is that people need to hear from a tech perspective in order to use the new technology or make the tech change that we want to. Which leads us in nicely to, to tools that people can use in their toolkit for this. Yeah. Video, think things that you've used in your arsenal, Bruno. Yes, because I think for me, one of the other things that this links into this is, is just be a bit brave and be prepared to experiment. And also bear in mind in communications, we don't have to produce really slick channel nine news quality videos or even graphics. It just needs to be engaging. So for example, I do create infographics and you don't need to use Illustrator or Photoshop. In the past, I did actually use those, but I found PowerPoint does everything I needed to do and is much much easier. So everyone's already using PowerPoint. You can use it to make very simple infographics. And it's interesting because people say I'm not very visual, but for me, the key thing on infographics is actually a word skill. So to make a great little infographic, you just need to write, find the right search term. So for example, I've recently been working on a migration of my Microsoft migration from one instance to another. So I was wanting to create points about that. Okay. Migration, search the word migration, birds came. Oh yeah. Birds migrate. I just got two images of tech stack. You just search tech, search migration, got the bird images. And that's what I use for creating successful image to portray. Okay. We successfully migrated this. So for all the little infographics on us achieving key milestones on this, I had the little migrating birds. So. That was down to my word use. It wasn't actually about great visual skills. And all I had to do was put the two images together, put a box behind it. And there you have an infographic. Yeah. So that power evokes migration. Yeah. 
That's right. There's a great soft website called The Down Project, and it's a paid subscription, but it's probably about $50 a year. And you can just go in, search anything, and there'll be infographics that you can use. And it's world of choice. You can do, and you get all these Viking heads and Viking figures. Uh, there's some very funny ones come up as well, but that's a really useful tool. And Microsoft also have a huge amount of icons that you can search just within PowerPoint and Word and that type of stuff. There's lots of useful things that you can access to create fun for graphics. And if you're in an organization that's got style guidelines, that actually helps you because it narrows down your color choice. So it's okay, we've only got to use these three colors. What's the pale color that stands out on the dark color? I'll put the dark color in the background. I'll put the pale color for the infographic. You haven't had to choose any colors. It's been done for you. So, yeah, that level of restriction actually makes these things easier for you. Okay, I'm going to hold you there because all of this is absolute gold. Because I think number one, the key thing that you're saying is be brave and experiment. And I think that's a huge blocker to people. I think mm. people that look at what you do and know what you do or people that are looking to operate in this sphere have a fear of putting something out there that is imperfect, broken. They want it to be polished. They think, gosh, and that's going to be too timely. But what you're saying, Bruno, is try. Try and be prepared to use these resources, which actually will eliminate you having to create something from scratch, which is huge, I think, in unlocking a barrier for people that are wanting to do this, particularly in infographics. Definitely. And, and just as a side note, I actually did all this in big banks. And I think particularly if you're working in change communications and you're probably going to be in a large organization, like one of the big banks and all these strict rules and regulations. And I just went in and did it and everyone was happy with it. So don't assume people aren't going to want this type of stuff that aren't going to react positively to it. Because I've worked for nearly all of the big four banks and done this stuff in there, and it's gone down very well. People have been very happy with it. They had me back. Another great point, because another thing that I think well, people harbour fear over is the perception and pushback of doing something a bit different. And then the next is actually to really get familiar with trialling words and like thinking about even just using Google for, like you say, mm. migration birds and linking that, which saves huge amount of time that the evoke from words to picture is it before I moved into comms, I was involved in marketing, which is probably no surprise given the way I'm talking. And I would be the copywriter and I'd work with creatives, but a lot of the word was actually coming up with the words of how, how can we visualize growth for a fund that hasn't been done a thousand times before. And it's actually coming up with the words and it's the words that inspire the picture. I would come up with, oh, we could use a balloon or we could use a child. And then the visual person would go off and get the right images. So just because you're a word-based person, don't assume you're not creative. Words are creative. Words are magnificently creative. So. I'd say to all cons people, don't downplay your own creativity because it's word-based and you don't think it's visual. It is visual. And that takes us to, to the video side of mm. things, because I know you've got experience in this and I have to say I dabbled a bit in video 
And people that even have seen my videos, which are very basic, have said to me, oh my goodness, how are you doing? What courses have you done? Mm. So fascinated to know what knowledge you can impart here. Again, it goes back to have a go and, and the technology that's available for us now is just mind-boggling. The quality of video recording that you can get on the phone is as good as most cameras. So you do not need a fancy camera. You can use your iPhone or whatever type of phone that you have. And there's also really easy video software, like within the iPhone itself, iMovie is just so straightforward. It's, you just drag your bits of footage together. You can put a, what they call a transition. So you don't jump sharp from one to the next. You can put titles in there. Movie is quite restricted. That's a great place to start. And that's how I started. I started my movie and you create things and if you want to put music in, you can do that. And then at some point you'll get a bit frustrated with our movies. Oh, I'd really like to have this graphic spinning around in that corner. I'd really like to do that. And that's when you can then, if you're really interested in this, graduate to something else. So from there, I moved on to this software called LumaFusion, which is only on iPads and on, you can use it on the more recent MacBooks as well. And that's very similar to iMovie, but you just have a lot more functionality. You can put graphics anywhere on the screen. You can make them spin around. And if you want to go really crazy, you can then get into the, the big ticket items. So obviously there's Adobe Premiere Pro, but that is movie quality costs a fortune. I have done a training course and it was just too much. It's kind of way too complicated for my needs. If you do want to get that tricksy, there is a free software called DaVinci. It actually comes out from, it's Australian, but it's huge across the world because it's Adobe Premiere Pro, but it's free. There's certain subscriptions yeah. if you want really advanced stuff and it's available for Macs, PCs. It is simpler than Adobe Premiere Pro, but it's, it is pretty complicated. That's more if you write, I want to move into the movie business. That's where you go to. But for me, where I started, I think it's the easiest place to start. It's actually doing vox pops on your phone. And that's just the voice of the people. So for example, on my first project, one of the banks, we were rolling out software to financial advisors. So I went out to the financial advisors and who were in bank branches and just filmed them saying, what are you looking for in this new software? What are you looking forward to? What are your concerns? And just ask three or four questions, the same three or four questions to arrange different people, cut together their responses. And it went down the storm. And I think there are two reasons for that. One, the advisors actually felt that they were listened to. And that was a, one of the really interesting things. If you do things like box pops and then record people, they get, oh, I'm actually being listened to. What I'm saying is important. So in creating the message, you're actually sending out another message that yet yeah, here we're listening to. The other big impact that this video had was back at the bank HQ in Sydney, the project team were kind of working. There'd been a few challenges and they were really motivated to find out how excited the advisors were about this upcoming software. And it really mm. motivated them to hear and see the advisors get excited about what they were doing. So it went down really well. Sadly, the software ended up not being rolled out because it was useless, but I got everyone excited about it for the video. And it wasn't, again, as you say, it's actually much easier than you think if you, particularly if you use something like iMovie, 
and again, at another bank, I got a lot of the other cons people. I did a bit of training with them and they're all having a go and they just really enjoyed it. And they got really excited. Oh, I put this video together. They had more fun. And it goes to one of my other points is have fun. Make the thing for me with visuals and graphics, it makes the work more interesting and more enjoyable. Mm. And you can actually have some fun and even bring in some humor every now and again. And if it's more fun for you and more engaging for you, then it's pretty good bet that it's going to be more engaging for the people who are receiving it. That's a really, yeah, a really insightful and very interesting one, particularly for those listening who are in the world of transformation. I think it will be, yeah, a really peak interest to know that you've used that with advisors. You've done a vox pop with advisors, like what? A brilliant way to bring the change to life and even to get that response from the stakeholders that you just didn't know that you, mm. you could get. Are there other, have you done this across a whole raft of different transformations? Are there any way you found it really works? Those that do, don't, are there any kind of rules across, say, tech versus reg pops? I find it, it depends on the questions. You've got to be able to get people to answer very succinctly. So yep. you don't do a whole, what are your feelings about, or what are your thoughts on, allow them to answer quite direct and that will work quite well. Don't, you can't think of one where I put it together and then I thought, oh no, we can't miss this. And if people are always interested in being heard and people are always, always interested in hearing what other to say. So you like connecting to needs. And I think that's why small box possible work really well because it's actually about connecting people it's real faces and real people it's not i always try to avoid when you do that avoid leaders because yeah they often are in the communications and the known voices it's actually making the unknown voices heard and i did remember years ago speaking to somebody who was a communications educators in university professor it's like the one really lacking area in research is listening texts on communication. It's all about how we communicate out, but there's very little research on how we listen. And I think using videos and box pops is a great way of listening. I've always wanted to do some, I've always tried to get people to be negative on video. And this is one of my other bugbears things is I think we undervalue the power of negativity, which is a very weird thing to say. That's particularly on a change project, it's the people that are really nervous and worried at the start of it that often end up becoming the champions at the end. They're the ones that you need to listen to and they're the ones that were really supported towards the end if you bring them over. But unless we actually acknowledge and embrace their negativity and even record it, we're not using that very well. So. I've always tried to get people to oh, say, oh, you don't want to know why, what would I think about this? And so, oh, yes, I do. I'm really keen to get this because people need to hear you. And they'll have a bit of a rant and I say, oh, can I record you? And I'll record them. And then they put a really positive spin on it. It's fascinating. That's the one thing I've failed is to record some people being negative. And I completely understand, like, why they don't want to because they're being put on record and, and they're working, probably working for a large organization and they don't want to be the guy that said it was crap. That's but, fascinating, uh, isn't it? It's that kind of polite 
facade yeah. that we put on for the media for the for camp. But it is, and the amount of times, oh, this is cool. They really need to hear this. And then they just completely switch when the moment the camera's turned on. But I understand. I'm disappointed by completely understand. I've, I've also had a really good example. One of the big banks did some really interesting work in the communication space. It wasn't Vox Pop, but they put on an event. One of their communication gurus put on an event for financial crime where something was physically used. It was lost. So I lost my wallet or my phone. And then they showed all the data that was stolen from it and the impacts of that to bring financial crime to life the employees and I remember the profound impact like people went away going oh that's what this program is trying to achieve because it was really to take home and take away from that make it quite tangible rather Mm -hmm. than we're putting these regulations in you need to do x y z lots more red ticker tape lots more work for you and yeah I think this creativity piece that you're talking about just it really you can use it in regulatory technology, to your point, when you mm. say you haven't thought of a time where it wasn't well received, it is just try and see what the uptake is, the response. Definitely. So when you talk about having fun, are there other projects that you've done in any of the big banks where you've really had fun with this and trialed things or times where you've seen it fail, where people have had too much fun? and Oh, yes. And that's the issue with humor that you do need to don't put it out unless someone else has had a look at it and said yes that's fine that's because i was working on a project one of the big banks and at the time it was during lockdowns and there was huge issues with the the vpn network that we all had to log into because everyone was crashing so i remember that emergency services only if you're everyone else had to just work offline log on in the email. It's a huge level of frustration. And the, the comms team that was holding this were just putting out some of the most appalling gifts. And, that, and the one that stuck, and it was like seared on the brain for everyone on our team was a hat massage pit. And it was just, we were just also stunned about how appalling this image was. And everyone was really frustrated and really angry. It's like, oh, there, you just got the tongue completely wrong on that one. But at the same time, I love the fact that they were doing something different and not just trotting out the usual messaging. Now they were using visual stuff, and a lot of it was fine. Went down really, went down really well. That's one bad example. But I think that is probably my worst example. But I don't want people to put off and have you go. If you do want a bit of humour. That's great. Just get it checked by somebody else and yeah, do a bit of a sense check before you put anything out like that. And if it's too risky, whoever's signing it off will say no. That's fine. Just be, that's, I guess, another piece of advice is don't be afraid of having something not back. Now I've had loads of things not back because there was a bit too out there. The head of the projects from my point of view was a bit too conservative, but didn't stop me from putting the stuff out there. That's an interesting one. And so do you now, having experienced having something knocked back, do you, would you advise people to test the concept or test the idea before you start building something and working on it? How do you approach that? Yes, I definitely would say I want to do a video where we have the leadership team answering 
the same 10 stupid questions and you know, do it like a grilling. I've done that before. You put that forward and then I just, you haven't done any work on it. You just put the concept forward and they'll say, oh, no, that's not quite us or yes, but can you tone it down a bit, which is often the response. Go out, film something, edit it, produce the whole thing and then say, hey, let's use this. Yes. The concept forward first and then go. And that's another consideration, I suppose, when starting out in this space is like you say, benchmark, sense check your school of thought before investing too much time. But definitely trial it and Just be friends. Have a go. And I think most people find it actually makes their own work more enjoyable. And that's one of the reasons that I did it. And I've always had a, a theory that there's no such thing as a boring topic. There's only boring treatments. So it doesn't matter what you're working on. I've worked on a lot of remediation, compliance projects. And not that you're having high-stepping hamsters dancing across a screen. But you can make it engaging and interesting. It doesn't just have to be three paragraphs of boring text. Thank you. Thank you so much, Bruno. And for those that want to speak to you further about this or people that are being brave and listen to this podcast and think, I'm going to take the leap. So for those thinking about taking that 1% and starting on this journey, would you welcome people that reach out to you? And is there a forum that's best to do that? You could reach out to me via LinkedIn. Bruno Boucher or via my website, which is brunoboucher.com. Perfect. And you've got a really great knitting video on there. You've got some great content on your website, actually. I do um, need to update it. I'm actually really bad at promote for all my talk of slick marketing, communications, putting yourself forward. My website looks nice, but it really needs updating. I haven't put any new content there for ages. I'm a classic chef that refuses to cook at home. So in the spirit of the podcast and myself being a recruiter across this mm-hmm. space, I am going to ask you a question that I ask all my guests, which is around interviews. Oh. What knockout interview question were you asked or have you been asked in your career that sticks with you? Oh, I think probably the, and it was a very out there question I got asked. It was when... I was just starting out. I was going for a job in a small London advertising agency as a production assistant. And yeah, it was all going really well. And then the production manager asked me, oh, how are you with dogs? And at the time, I never had a dog as a pet. And I went, oh, okay, as long as they're not too big. And then she opened the door and this enormous English sheepdog bounded in. This is the company mascot. I did actually still get the job, even though I answered that one so spectacularly, but I ended up spending a lot of, as being the lowly person in production, I spent a lot of time clean, cleaning up dog do because the dog was very nervous and seemed to always take a dump in reception just before a client was coming. So I was the one that had to scurry down and clean it up before the clients arrived. But yeah, I learned to love big dogs after that. <laughs> Quite a good icebreaker question, but yeah, that's terrible etiquette from the dog. And finally, to leave listeners on, Bruno, your parting gift. When you reflect on your career to date and the tremendous work that you've done, is there one skill or characteristic that you think has got you to this point in your career that served you well? I think in the change comp space, it's going to sound bizarre, but it was my ignorance that, yeah, 
I came into a project in a big bank, having not really worked in comms or communication, just got hired because I was a, a good writer. And I just said, oh, let's just have a go. Let's just do this. And I wasn't burdened down with corporate. Oh, no, you can't do that. And this is how we do things around here. So in hindsight, it was, oh, my God, I was just so ignorant about what it's like in these organizations. But I just did it and it, and it worked and it continued to work. And I guess the, my ignorance was the superpower. It had to be supported by another superpower, which was actually the teams that I worked with that enabled and encouraged me to do that. The immediate change team and the change directors that I worked with and the program directors that I worked with that kind of said, yes, we want this type of stuff. Let's do it. Let's go for it. Did you think that enabled you to operate with less fear and ticker tape? because you were refreshing and revitalizing in the space. So I think you're being modest, putting it on the other people. Do you think it gave you a bit more freedom of license? I think so. And I think it was because I was a, a novice to corporate communication. So I just did it. But oh, this, this is actually a more interesting way. And surely this is going to be more engaging. And so I just did it. And obviously I did put a few, this BAU comms people, those that have to join and I've actually said wherever I've gone to places and done video and graphics that other people start doing that as well. There's kind of, it's, I think the lovely thing is that it's given people license to do that and they've had a go and, oh, we could do that. Or we could just do a wings for the month instead of doing a long newsletter of what we've done. So it's nice to see other people doing it and doing it really well. And in many cases better. Yeah. Like it's. Nice to, if I've gone in and done something, it's liberated other people to express themselves and produce more creative, effective work. And thank you so much. I guess that takes us to a lovely end, really. You are very effervescent in this space and really are, yeah, imparting some great gifts there to inspire others. So I really appreciate your time today. Thank you. No, it's been fun. It's always great talking about myself. <laughs> thank you, Bruno. Thank you so much for listening to today's show. I really enjoyed the accessible, down-to-earth nature of Bruno's advice. Just Google the thing. You don't need to start big. Don't think about the video. Maybe just do 1% change and go for the infographic. He makes it palatable for us all to approach a more creative digitized version of our communications. Next week, I'll be kicking off the C-Suite series where I am super excited to be interviewing a number of people across C-Suite roles to talk to them about how they got there, the journey from senior transformation roles and what that career progression looks like, what sacrifices had to be made, what developments they took, the nuances between the C-Suite roles. This series has been highly requested and I really enjoy shedding some light on those senior roles, speaking to some very insightful and honest people. If you are looking to have a conversation about your next role or extending your team, then please do reach out to me on eloise at changeittalent.com.